All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to our Sunday School. This will be our last uh, session, class, on the Reformed Principles of Worship. So this is Lesson 29, and I'm really uh, grateful that you all hung in with me um, thus far. And uh, we finished with the best place to finish. That's the benediction and the doxology. And so, but let me begin with a, a little bit of an intro, kind of overview what we've what we've gone uh, thus far. Worship is the greatest privilege God has given to His people. Now, angels worship God in heaven, right? They worship all day long. But here's the difference: when angels worship God, they describe the salvation that God has accomplished. We, on the other hand, we sing about what God has done for us, the salvation that we have received in Christ. That's the main difference. We sing about the salvation we have received and enjoy through the work of Christ. Our worship service seeks to tell the story of who God is and what He, what he has done. The story of worship leading up to the benediction begins this way. Our service starts not with the church calling out to God, but God calling out to us as his people to come to him. The call to worship shows us that God is the one who begins the service. We are entering into his house. We're entering into his presence. We are to worship him as he has commanded us to worship him. And all of our worship is, is God-centered. It's God-focused. It, it follows the patterns and the, the commands uh, coming from the lips of God himself through his word. When the church gathers, the God who made us and redeemed us is there with his people in a very special and unique way. And the first words that God has to say to you as his church are not words of judgment, but words of grace and peace through Jesus Christ. Once we have been welcomed, we respond with songs of praise and a cry out to God for help. We approach God seeking His mercy, and then we respond by confessing who He is. In our service, we do that in two different ways. We confess who God is in two different ways. We confess who He is with the help of our creeds and catechisms, or we confess who He is in His holiness and righteousness through His law. When we confess our sins after hearing the law, we seek Christ's forgiveness and go forward with the assurance that He has given us of His grace so that we then can walk in gratitude with grateful hearts. And after God assures us of his love and faithfulness, we as a church, as a congregation, we, we, we come to our Heavenly Father in prayer. We bring our praises, we bring our words of thanksgiving, we bring our needs to our Heavenly Father through the minister of the Word. After communing with our Heavenly Father, we prepare our hearts to hear from him, to hear from him, we, we do this with singing and more prayer. And then we have the privilege of hearing and receiving the Word of God, not only read, but preached through the one whom God has appointed to speak on his behalf. And after God's Word trains us in righteousness 
and hearing the rich blessing that we have received in Christ, we respond by, pra- by praising God with our gifts, with our offerings, as a, as a way to respond to that word, as a way to respond to the rich mercies we have received. And if in, this, in that service, like we will today, uh, have the Lord's Supper, then not only will we hear the word preached, but we see the word made visible through the, through the Lord's Supper. And in the Supper, we are strengthened in our faith. We are reminded of God's love and faithfulness to us, even in our weakness. After the church has received the means of grace that God has given us, he sends his people back out into the world. And that's what we pick up in our lesson today. where We are going to be focusing on the benediction and the doxology. Now, the benediction, you know, at the end when the, the pastor raises his hands, this is not God giving us a, a holy powwow. You know, he's not, you know, go get him, you know. This is not God giving us a a wishful saying, like, you know, I hope it goes well for you. It's not a a Christianized, you know, good luck out there, you know, hope everything works out for the best. It's none of those things. The word benediction means good word. That's what literally the word means. Bene, good, and the word benediction meaning word. But in the scriptures, It means more than just a good word. It actually means God is pronouncing, he is actually pouring out, I think is a a better way to, to phrase it. He's pouring out his blessing upon his people. It's God's action that he is, his final act that he is doing for his people. He's pouring out his blessing. So that when we walk out the church doors and go into our week, we walk with God's blessing. But... What does that mean? What does it mean to walk out with God's blessing? Well, the prime example of the benediction in, in the Old Testament, in the Scriptures, really, is found in Numbers 6, 24 to 26. And you have that in your, in your outline, and we're going to interact with the, with the language here uh, to, to understand better what this blessing means to us. Now, again, the first, the first thing to notice is the, is the Lord. Right, all capital, that's the covenant name of God. Uh, that means God who has made a covenant with his people, that's the one who is blessing us, the one who has, pro- who has promised that he will be our God and we will be his people. And this, is, and this God who not only gives his promises, but he is the one who also fulfills his promises in the person and work of his son, Jesus Christ. That's the one who blesses you. So this pronouncement first tells us the identity of who is going to give us this blessing, and that's the Lord himself. Now the word blessing simply just means favor. God's favoring you. He's not not looking towards you with judgment. He's looking towards you with favor, with, with affection. And then he moves on to say, the Lord bless you and keep you. This word... Shamar in the Hebrew means to guard you, to protect you from enemies. He is watching over you. Like in uh, Psalm 121 is a very good example of what that word shamar or to guard or to keep means. In Psalm 21 it says, the, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord will preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. 
Or in Jesus' words, as he says in John 10, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand or my Father's hand. You are under the protection of the Lord God Almighty. Nothing passes by him, and he will and must work all things for your salvation and for your good. The Lord makes his face to shine upon you. I'm so tempted to go into a redemptive historical tangent, but I won't. Because um, it's so rich to, to understand the face of God, because not everybody has the face of God favoring them. No one sees the face of God and lives. Right? The face of God in Scripture symbolizes his fellowship and his unveiled presence. Meaning the goal of all of history is for us to, to be with God and for God to be with us as he is in heaven. When God says his face shines upon you, that means you have fellowship with him and are being prepared today and, and, and to the re- until you come home to be with him and th- so that you can see him face to face. 1 John 3, 2 says that when he is revealed, that is, when Christ is revealed, we will see him as he is. But God says that that fellowship of, of seeing God as he is, of seeing him as he is, doesn't have to wait until the second coming of Christ. That fellowship begins today and tomorrow and until you come home. That fellowship begins now. And that's the the fellowship that God is pronouncing towards you at the end of the service. The Lord is gracious towards you. He's pouring out his, His unmerited favor, His mercy upon you. And the Lord lifts up His face towards you and gives you peace, that is shalom, the, the whole peace, the peace in, the inner peace, the, the external peace, the, the peace that we will all enjoy when Christ makes all things new. Peace between God and man. Peace uh, amongst ourselves that will only fully occur in the new heavens and the new earth. So in summary, what this pronouncement teaches us are at least these three things. That God who has made a covenant with us is the source of all of our blessing because we are in Christ. That's the first thing. Secondly, the assurance of God's love and favor is towards you. Meaning his faithfulness is towards you. Because look look at the pattern of, of this pronouncement. The Lord, it begins with the Lord and it ends with you. Uh, yes, the word you is in the plural, but you are part of that plural, right? So God is not just saying, oh, in general, I bless you all. But at the same time, God says, I bless you individually, one by one. That his blessing is towards you as his beloved child who has been bought with the blood of Christ. And thirdly, this pronouncement teaches us the assurance of God's protection and guidance. You know, it's not, it's not that God is sending you a blessing and then walks away. Now, understand this. that God, the blessing that God has given you is himself. 
that he himself is going with you as you go into your week. He's protecting you. He is guiding you. He's upholding you. He's strengthening you. He's he's filling you with his Holy Spirit. Preserving you. Because he began a good work in you. And we'll see it to completion. Before you do anything in the week, before the first decision that you make, before any hardship that you may face, God says, hear my blessing and be assured of my covenant faithfulness towards you in Christ. Amazing. Now, the New Testament certainly has, carries on this um, teaching of the benediction. And we see this, good morning, we see this uh, with the person of Jesus himself and we see this in Luke 24, 50-53. This is the very, very end of Luke's Gospel. This is after Christ uh, has died, has resurrected. He is now uh, in the, the, the last scene, at least, in Luke's Gospel. And, um, and he says, He led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. Now, if you read Luke's Gospel, you know that Luke's Gospel has a genealogy. Just like Matthew has a genealogy, the very beginning. The focus of Matthew's genealogy is that Christ is the son of David and the son of Abraham. In Luke's gospel, the focus is that Jesus is the son of Adam. I'm not going to get too deeply into it, but just, just, just getting, giving you this picture that where, where Adam failed in the garden, Christ succeeds through the cross and through his resurrection. And as the victorious king of all kings, he is, he is pronouncing this blessing upon his disciples, who will then become his apostles, be sent out into the world to bless the world and to build the foundation of the church. So in other words, Christ gives the, the disciples the benediction, where the, the disciples will then bless his church. They will then raise their hands upon the church that Christ is building and bless them as well. And also notice in this verse how the response to this benediction was the the disciples worshiping Christ. And they worshiped him, Luke says, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Now, almost, almost every single letter of the New Testament has a benediction. And all except James. And the, the benediction of, of the apostles summarized basically all that, in, all that uh, is, encompasses the Aaronic blessing that we just read and, and uh, talked about in number six. All of that is, is wrapped up into these few words of the apostles. Grace be with you. Now there are ver- many variations of that benediction throughout uh, the letters, but that is the heart of the benediction. That grace be with you. And uh, second, uh, thirteen, fourteen. Paul says uh, in, as, a, as another variation of the benediction of the apostles. 
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So in other words, the covenant faithfulness, the, the, the blessings, the grace that Christ has accomplished now goes with you as you walk out. And that's why we, we, we hold that until uh, the end of the service because it is the most fitting act of worship that we can, uh, or element of worship that we can present at the very end of the service. It begins with God saying to us grace and peace as he welcomes us and then he, he parts with us, uh, parts us um, he gives his blessing at the end saying grace be with you. Now that is the benediction. It is a pronouncement of blessing upon God's people. What about doxology? Doxology. Doxology differs from benediction. Both have an element of praising God or focusing on what God has done. But a doxology is different. You know, when we say benediction, what we're talking about is a pronouncement of a blessing of God towards his people. When we talk about doxology, we're talking about declaring God's praises for who he is and what he has done. The, the, the focus of the doxology is towards God. The focus of the benediction is God's blessing towards you, towards his people. So that, that is the, the main difference between the benediction and the doxology. But it's so very important uh, that we understand not only the differences, but, what, but to understand what doxology is. And we see many doxologies throughout the letters of Paul, or the, the letters of the New Testament, and uh, one of them is found in Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that, is, that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, if you, if you read through the, the, the letter to the Ephesians, this is not at the very end. This almost is like at the middle. And this comes after Paul is describing these theological truths of who we are in Christ. And so, it's no accident that that when Paul is making a theological argument or statement that this is who you are in Christ because of these reasons, and then he breaks out into praise towards God. Which is something that, this is something that that should teach us to understand that right thinking leads to right worship. The right thinking leads to right worship. That's why doctrine matters. That's why uh, having a, a biblically sound theology matters. Because how we understand God, how we, how we know God through the Scriptures will determine